Good morning. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. This is week two of a series we're calling Texting God. And what we're doing over the course of the summer is we're helping uh, ourselves, helping each other, helping you learn how to pray in a better way. And what we're doing is we're using the Psalms. The Psalms are a, a series of written prayers in the middle of the Bible. If you take a Bible and were to open it, I know if you have your phone and you try and open it in the middle, you'll break it, so don't do that. But if you have one of these old-fashioned book things and you open it right in the middle, you'll usually end up right in the Psalms. The Psalms have been for a couple thousand years the prayer book for God's people. Now, if you don't know what a prayer book is, a prayer book is uh, uh, a, a book that gets written to help you, give you words to say and thoughts to think and feelings to feel uh, when it comes to prayer. So, we're going to be doing that together over this series. I'm glad you decided to join us today. I want to invite you to stand with me. Uh, I, we're going to start with probably the most familiar psalm. Uh, even if you're not a Christian or not a religious person in any way, you've probably heard this somewhere. But this is the 23rd psalm. I'm going to read it aloud, and you can follow along on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake, and even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Well, in this series, what we want to do in a really simple and practical way is we want to help you learn to pray. And we're using, uh, we're using a metaphor. We're using uh, the metaphor of texting. Now, the younger you are, the more likely you are to text. If you're probably above 45, 50, uh, not to be ageist, uh, but you probably don't text as much, right? The younger you are, the more likely you are to text. Now, some of you... Uh, who have my cell phone number, you think it's going to be really funny right now to send me a message while I'm standing here. I turned off my notifications, so there. Um, so you're not going to be able to do it. Um, but, but the younger you are, the more we tend to rely on texting as the way we carry on a conversation and deepen a relationship. Uh, I routinely will have people who send me uh, what even five years ago or ten years ago would be a phone call and say, can I meet you for coffee? Can I come into the office? They'll send me messages about things going on in their life, and I'll do pastoral counseling via text. Uh, if you're of a certain age, you break up over text, because you don't have to see their face. We're done. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I am sure that someone somewhere has gotten divorced over text. Uh, we share updates about things going on in our life. If you were here a number of weeks ago when we had Steve Spear here with World Vision and we had spo Global Sponsorship Sunday, you could sponsor a child. Uh, in another place around the world through World Vision. You can still do that at the Start Here desk, by the way. Uh, we had an amazing story that happened. It's very personal, so I won't share it, but I wanted the guys from World Vision to know it, so I got their numbers, and I sent them the long story about this person and what happened in their life as a result of Sponsorship Sunday, and they responded back, and they said, wow, that's just absolutely amazing. It's, it, it, texting is the modern way of having a, a conversation, and the way it works is, you know, I text you, and then you text me back. And then I text you, and then we carry on a conversation that way. And if I text you, and you don't text me back, you're telling me in 21st century language, you're not worth my time. 
I don't want to talk to you, be done. Or you just don't know how to use technology, and that's the minority. My dad is 80, and he got a smartphone, and <laughs> I will send him messages. I'm not meaning to laugh, but it is funny. Uh, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I'll send him messages. I'll send him pictures of his grandkids and videos of his grandkids. I'm not entirely sure he knows how to open them. Because uh, I'll call him, and I'll go, do you get that picture? And he'll go, yeah, but it's really small. How do I make it big? And I try and tell him. He can't figure out. I'm like, all right, whatever. Uh, but one, I, I'll send him messages, and I'll go, Dad, this, that happened. What do you think about that, Dad? I'm waiting for the little bubbles to show up on the phone telling me he's responding back. Nothing. <laughs> Until one day, a week or so ago, I was sending him a message, and uh, I said something back to him, and I got this reply back. Yes. It's like, Dad, technological miracle. You can text, you know, uh, so unless you're that of that age and that generation, you, you, you know how it works, right? You, you text. It's kind of a, mo- but it's a modern day way to think about prayer is, is you're having this ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. You have, the closer you are to people, the more frequently you text them and they send you messages, right? You have this ongoing conversation about what's happening. So I really want you to, I really want to encourage you, if you haven't already, you can even do it right now. Just take you a second. You pull out your phone. And you can send uh, to the number 40404 the message, follow at RLCC Life. Every morning at 7 a.m., you will get a prayer from the Psalms sent directly to your phone. You will get a text from God. Boom. Okay? So you can do that. Uh, it is our Twitter feed. We won't bomb you with stuff. That's all you'll get throughout the course of this series. And for about 40 days, you'll get a, a text every single day. Um, that allows you to stay up. And then that what happens is at 7 a.m., you get that text, and that can become one of the things you cling to throughout the day. One earlier this week was, Lord, fill my heart with joy. That became my prayer all day long when I went through things. Lord, fill my heart with joy. Oh, God, fill my heart with joy. So we want you to have that experience. Now, uh, we, we, uh, how we feel about prayer uh, kind of impacts how we pray. If you're new to all of this, prayer can be very intimidating. Um, prayer can feel overwhelming, and what you can think when you're new to all of this is you can get the idea that prayer is saying uh, like religious words in the right order. And you, you might think, well, if I got the words out of order, then maybe God doesn't listen. You kind of have a, like a vending machine mentality with regard to prayer. And so you want to get the right words. Or y- y- prayer can seem or feel maybe like it's the password on your phone. You know, if you have a phone, you, you hopefully have a password so that only you and, and people that you trust can get into the information that's on your phone because our phones contain so much information about us. And you know how it works. You enter the, the code, you get access to everything. And if you enter the wrong code enough times, do you know what happens? You get locked out, right? No, no phone for you. Um, so you may feel when you're new to prayer that if you don't get the words in the right order that's like that code and then you've somehow been locked out from God's presence. But I hope you learned through this series that it's not like that. Prayer is very simple. Prayer is, is a conversation that you have with God about what's happening in your life. And it, a prayer can be as simple as a single word. Here's my single favorite prayer of every parent. Here's the word, right? Help! <laughs> right? You need help. You say sorry, thank you, please. All those things can be prayers. And so here's how we're going to do this uh, throughout the course of this series. I hope you'll be here. Um, every week we're going to do uh, four things in, in the message kind of portion of, of, the, of, of what we do together. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what prayer is and what it isn't, kind of dispel some of the myths that you might carry around that keep you from praying. Um, we're going to talk about a tool that you can use to uh, actually that week pray. You, you, you need tools to 
get better at prayer. You can get better at prayer. Prayer is a skill. You can get better at it. And then we're going to look at one of the Psalms. The Psalms, again, are the prayer book of the Bible. Uh, the Psalms are the portion of the scriptures that Jesus quoted the most often. Jesus had basically what we know as the Old, uh, Old Testament memorized. And uh, he would quote the Psalms more than any other portion of scripture. So it's so much so a part of him that when he was on the cross, he cried out, and you may not know this, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know, he wasn't just making up words. You know what he was saying? He was quoting Psalm 22 that starts out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? And then when he, when he breathed his last, he was quoting Psalm 31. He said, into, into your hands I commit my spirit. This was, the, this was a part of how Jesus went through his life was the Psalms. It was the breath that he used. So we're going to look at the Psalms. And then every week we're going to basically do a lab. We're going to pray together. And we'll do that at the end of the service today. So let's, let's go through those things. So what it is and what it isn't. It isn't, prayer is not a formula. Kind of already said this. Uh, but it's not about getting the parts right and in the right order. Now think about the kind of relationship you would have with someone if your only interactions with them were a formulaic set of words that you repeated. Maybe you had three things that you said and you just repeated those things. How close would you be to that person? Well, you wouldn't be. Right? Almost a robotic kind of relationship. And we do. there are some things we say to each other on a repeated basis. I love you. I'm sorry. Thank you. But even those words that we repeat on a regular basis have a context, you know, the relationship that we have. So uh, I, I want you to know this. Jesus died so that we could have an actual relationship with God, not so that we would have to spit formulas to get God's attention. I want you to know that. So prayer is not a formula. What prayer is, is pr prayer is talking and listening. Talking and listening. When you want to get better at a relationship with someone, do you know the two things you work on? Talking and listening. I, I want to be better at a relationship with my wife. I have to work on how do I talk to my wife? What's the tone of my voice? How do I use the different words to say it in a different way that's better communicates what I'm feeling that she can hear? And then I also have to work on listening. Like, what, is, what are you saying? What are you feeling? Oh, how did that make you feel? And what else? I, I have to, I've, if I don't work on either one of those things, then our relationship is not as close, is not as deep. Now, I'm not trying to communicate to you that if you get all this right, then somehow you earn God's love. God's love is there for you. God is close to you. But on your end, you're as close to God as you want to be. And the way you learn to talk and the way you learn to listen uh, will determine from your perspective how close you feel to God. So you have to learn to, to, to pray. You have to learn to talk and to listen. If you're around someone who only talks, I mean, they're a bore, right? Please stop talking. Let me get a word in edgewise. If you're around someone who only listens, they're hard to get to know. Prayer is both talking and listening. Now, here's, here's why this matters, okay? If you are going to follow someone, you have to be able to communicate with them. And if you are going to follow Jesus, you have to learn to communicate with him. He can't lead you to all of the things that he wants to bring into your life, all of the impact that he wants to make through your life, if you don't know how to talk to him and how to listen to him. So I want you to become a person of prayer, meaning you know how to talk to God, you know how to listen to God. And we're going to practice both of those things. In fact, we as a church, we can't even go forward unless we together learn how to talk to God and listen to God. 
We've got to become a church that prays, and that's what it, that's what it means, is we learn to communicate with God and hear what he's telling us to do next. That's what we, that's what we want. So let's look at this psalm, uh, Psalm 23. It usually gets, what happens is it gets read at funerals, and that's an appropriate place because in the older translation, the King James translation, you know, there's the phrase that says, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it was here, the, the dark valley, and people feel that appropriately read at funerals, like, oh, this expresses something about how God's close to me in my dark hour. And that's, that's very true. But when it only gets read at funerals, we miss that it's actually a way to address God, and it's actually for our life. It's actually for our day-to-day living. So let's kind of unpack some of the parts of this so you can have some, some words that will help you talk uh, m- more uh, um, accurately in your own mind and heart to God, Okay. So how does, how does the psalm start? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now you may or may not have ever noticed this. You may have noticed this when it was on the screen a minute ago. If you have a Bible and you, you, or, or a smartphone app, you have the, the passage open, you'll notice this. But the word Lord there is in all caps. And you may have noticed, maybe, again, you have not, that in other parts of the Old Testament, there's a Lord without the all caps. It's just capital L, then O-R-D. And maybe you've gone, now what, why, why is that? Did someone have a typo? What's going on? Uh, well, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and when the word Lord is in all caps, what's happening is you're reading the proper Hebrew name for God. I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples, though. Lord gets used in multiple contexts. It's, it has the connotation of uh, sir, uh, it's a, a, a title of respect. When Sarah was referring to her husband Abraham, she used this phrase in Genesis chapter 18. Sarah laughed and thought to herself, am I worn out? And my Lord, she, uh, women, don't you wish that your husbands, uh, your, uh, men, don't you wish that your husbands would call you Lord? Wouldn't that be just great? Walk out of here and require your wife to call you Lord. Just, I'll be available for counseling later this week if you do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. But she's, she's making a, a, a statement of respect. And, and that word is often used for God as a statement of respect. Like, sir, you know, that, that's used. But then when you see the Lord, all caps, uh, here's an example from Exodus chapter 34, uh, when God's describing himself to Moses. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. It's, it's the, every time you see it in all caps, it's the translation of the Hebrew verb for existence or being. And Hebrew is written without vowels. And that word is spelled Y-H-W-H. Out of respect for God's name, a good Jewish person would never pronounce, uh, from the first commandment, do not take the Lord your God's name in vain, would never pronounce that. It was the unpronounceable name of God. So actually, no one actually knows how to pronounce that. No one really knows. You've probably heard it referred to as Yahweh. We've added some vowels into it. But if you were to take it and just say it, it kind of sounds like Yahweh. What's that sound like? It sounds like breath. And it's the verb for being, or uh, it's like our word to be, right? That God is existence itself. God is the source of all that is created. He's the source of every sunset that you've ever seen. When you you drive down the road and you see beautiful clouds and you see a sunset across the lake and the beautiful colors that get painted across the lake, or when you go to the mountains in the Rocky Mountains and you you drive out to the west and those peaks become jagged as they get bigger to them and you see the snow-capped peaks, or you go to the ocean and you sit at the ocean and you watch the ocean come in on waves and crash on the seashore. And you marvel at how beautiful that is. God is the creator of all that. That's what that's meaning right there. And when you pray, 
the Lord is my shepherd, what you are saying is, there is someone who is in charge of everything, and it is not me. <laughs> so you say it like this, there is a God, and it is not me. Just re repeat that with me. There is a God, and it is not me. One more time, it's like you mean it. Some of you are like, I'm not sure. There is a God, and it is not me, right? So when you pray, you are admitting that there is a Lord. There is someone who has made this whole, this whole thing, and it is not you. Uh, then it's, the Lord is my shepherd. So when, you, when you're praying that, when you start with understanding that God is the creator of everything, uh, that when you say he's uh, the shepherd, you're admitting that you need guidance. Now here's why this is kind of an insult. You may not know this. If you have a shepherd, that means you are a sheep. If you are a sheep, if you know anything about sheep, sheep are dumb. <laughs> they will fall over. They will fall off a cliff. They will fall down, they will fall prey to wolves or whatever the case may be. If they don't have a shepherd, they are done for. Uh, there's even a thing where a, a sheep, if the wool grows too big on its back and it falls over, it falls on its back and cannot get up. I mean, it's the, it's the sheep version of I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> it, it will lay there and just wiggle around until the shepherd comes along and turns the sheep back over. I mean, what a better metaphor th than for life, right? Have you ever gotten in a position where you feel like, I've fallen and I can't get up? When you're saying the Lord is my shepherd, you're admitting that you need guidance. And listen to me, listen. Only humble people pray. Because only humble people know that they need help. Proud people don't pray. In fact, you may be struggling with prayer, and the problem is that you're proud. You say it like, dear Lord, and bless us for this food today. Thank you so much. But you don't really need help, you don't think. Do you know how, uh, how God sees the proud James uh, in the New Testament quotes the Psalms? And he, he quotes, he says, this is how God's perspective toward the proud. He says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, that's not out of anger. That's out of love because God knows that it, it, life will work its way into you and you will fall down at some point. You will fall over and not be able to get up. And if you're too proud to ask for help, you're going to die. And so out of love, God will oppose you now and say, listen, I'm going to get you to the point where you know you need help. And you are not God, and I am. So when you're saying the Lord is my shepherd, you're admitting that you need guidance. And then, then it's personal. You know, notice that. It's my shepherd. Most of the Bible, maybe you don't know this, is written um, in the, the plural. When you read the word you in the New Testament, it almost always means uh, in the South, y'all, you all. Uh, most of the time in the Old Testament, when you read the word you, it's, it's in the plural form of the, of the word. Here, though, it's in the personal pronoun. My, the Lord is my shepherd. The, the, the idea is that God's not the leader and the guide of some people someplace. He's not the leader of the people who are in charge. He's not the leader of gen generic Christian people or pastors or leaders. He's my shepherd. He's leading me. It's personal. It's my, he's my shepherd. He's the one that's uh, leading my life. And so prayer is asking for guidance and expecting a response from God. This is what we're, we're doing when we pray. And so then what the psalmist does is he goes down through and he gives us words that we can say to God about him being our shepherd, that he'll, he'll lead us into green pastures. We'll watch a, a video on that in just a second. Uh, in other words, he'll provide for what we need. He'll lead us beside quiet waters. You know, when the sheep goes to the quiet water, then they can drink, they can be refreshed. They're not afraid of the water falling in and sweeping them away. 
Uh, He'll restore my soul. He'll take me to places where I'm not in panic and anxiety. He'll guide me in the right path for his name's sake. He'll take me on the right path if I just listen. If I learn to listen, I learn to follow. He'll take me in the, he'll take me in the right way. So I want you to watch this. This is just a, a little bit. We could do this for every one of these phrases, but this is a guy named Ray Vanderlaan who travels around the Holy Land and helps us to understand this. This is him talking about green pastures. Watch this for just a second. shepherd lesson, I did want to look at one thing in the wilderness that will maybe surprise you a bit. Believe it or not, this is called wilderness, midbar, but it's also called green pastures. Now, when you take a Westerner here the first time and you look at this, you find people say, well, I don't know that I can go there because the Psalm 23, the Lord leads me into green pastures, has been pictured as belly deep alfalfa. Well, you haven't seen any belly deep alfalfa. And from biblical time to today, it's rare to see a flock in the farm country. There isn't a lot of farm country in this culture. And so farmers kept the shepherds out as much as they could. Maybe they would come in a little bit after the harvest to glean what was left, but you don't want sheep where you can farm. This is the land of the shepherd. Right on the hillside across from us, you can see those grazing trails cut there by sheep maybe as long ago as Abraham's time. They're spaced so that an animal on one path and an animal on another can reach right to the middle between them. That determines the distance, so you can graze an entire hillside. And the shepherds lead their sheep across that hillside slowly, grazing what's there. Now, you look at it from here and you say, what's there? In fact, I remember my first impression. I woke up one morning, I was sleeping out in the wilderness, and I remember waking up, watching a flock of sheep on a hillside like this, and my, re- my feeling was, what are those, rock-eating sheep? I mean, what do they eat? How can you call this green pastures? Well, the answer is, there's a small amount of moisture present here. They get a little bit of rain every year. Not much, but a little. Second, there is humidity in the air, especially in the evening breeze, like right now, you can feel it, Coming from the west off the Mediterranean, there's moisture in the air. That moisture, combination of the rain and the humidity, condenses or drips along the edge of these rocks here. And if you notice, right around the rocks, almost always next to the rocks, you get little tufts of green. Get one a moment. That's what we refer to as the green pastures. So the shepherd looks for a hillside. That's exactly what she was doing. Look at that flock across from us there. Just stunning. Those two shepherd girls have found a hillside that either was exposed to the wind or had that small amount of rain. And they move that flock across the hillside, and it's one mouthful here, walk a step or two, another mouthful, another mouthful, another mouthful. Now, that changes the green pasture image a little bit, besides the picture changing radically. Green pastures are not everything you need for the rest of your life. If you make that belly deep alfalfa, then what God is saying, if you follow me, I'm going to plunk you down, and you'll never have to move an inch the rest of your life. Just reach out and grab it. Tell me that your life with God has been like that. Worry, said one rabbi, 
is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. In the desert, you learn the shepherd will get you what you need for right now. Ten minutes from now, you trust the shepherd. Just enough. So what, what's happening in the psalm is we're being given words that we can say when we talk to God. God, I need, I need what I need for right now. I need you to restore my soul. This is a way we can talk to God. And so the, the psalmist gives us some language we can use to talk to God. And uh, he says things to us about our, our dark experiences and says, when you go through the darkest valley that you could ever go through, I will not fear, he says, because you are with me. When I was a kid, uh, I would lay in bed at night, and uh, I didn't have a very big room, and I had a, a set of closet doors uh, that slid open, and sometimes I would forget to close the closet door. And when I would lay there, it would be dark, I'd look inside the closet, and there inside the closet, I would see a shirt hanging, and as a, a seven or eight or nine-year-old kid, I was pretty sure that was a ghost. And so I would do what any kid of that age would do, Mom! 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 Until my mom would come in. And then she, I would say, could you, she'd say, what's the matter, honey? And, and I would go in, and she would say, listen, Mom, the, the closet's open. There's a ghost in the closet. And she would walk over, and she would close the door. And then she would come over, and she'd sit down on the side of my bed, and she'd put her hand on my back, and she'd say, it's going to be okay. Now, do you know what made the difference in that dark moment? It wasn't even that she came in and closed the door. You know what made the difference? That she was sitting right there with me. This is what the psalmist says. You can say to God, God, I'm in the middle of the darkest valley. I don't know what. The difference that we made is that you are with me. You are with me. And so we get language for how we can uh, talk to God. And he gives us some more language you can use here. Well, we're going we're gonna to do, do a little bit of a lab here. Tim's going to come up. And um, we're going we're gonna to pray. Now see, prayer, if it is not personal, if it is not about the things you are most struggling with, you'll quit. If it's just a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo, a bunch of words you say in the right order, you'll give up. It's too hard to figure out that, or it feels too boring, or it feels too... But when you're talking about the things you are really struggling with and the emotions you are really feeling, and you bring those to God, when it's personal like that, it, it helps you to connect your soul to God. And so what we're going to do is uh, on the back of your weekly, if you flip that over, you'll see the 23rd Psalm is printed out there. And you'll notice that there are lines all the way through there. And the Lord is, and then blank, shepherd. And what I want you to do on those lines, that's a place for you to write in your name. The Lord is Scott's shepherd. The Lord restores Scott's soul. The Lord will guide Scott in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though Scott walks through the darkest valley, you're with Scott. And I want you to write your name in. We're going to play a song. And then I want you to, I want you to just talk to God. Where, where's the thing that you need to talk to God about? Maybe it is that you say, I need to understand that you're the Lord. I need to understand that you're the shepherd. Or I need you to restore my soul. Whatever it is, you, you're, we're just going to spend about three minutes together praying. Now, uh, you see these piles of rocks. If you were here for our last series, we talked about grace and we talked about how now, when we understand grace, we realize that God has no stones to throw up, uh, at us, and we can also lay down the stones we would throw at other people. And you might, I said it might take you the summer to come to the point where you put down your stones. And if you want, during that time, to grab a stone over on the edge and help 
continue to build this little altar that we're building over the course of the summer. You can do that during that prayer time. But we're just going to have a lab. We're going we're gonna to practice praying together, talking to God who is the Lord, who is my shepherd, your shepherd. So we're going to do that right now, okay? Thank you, Lord, that uh, here we are, needy people, broken people. Thanks that you're never overwhelmed by how broken we are. Thanks that you're the good shepherd. And so here you are, the creator of the ends of the earth, the creator of sunrises and sunsets and mountains and fields and trees that we climb in, breezes that we feel on our skin, sunshine that warms us. You're the creator of that. You're the Lord. You're in charge. So we want you to be in charge and we want you to guide us as we humbly admit our need. So Lord, I pray um, that you would teach us to pray. Teach us the simple nature of prayer that we're talking to you, we're listening to you. And I pray, God, that um, we would learn to hear your voice, the gentle whisper the nudge, the movement in our spirit. And we'd begin to follow you as we listen to your voice. 
So God, thank you for being our shepherd. We pray this in your name, all God's people said. Amen. I invite you to stand with me if you would. We always leave you with a blessing. You'll see people around you holding out their hands. That's their way of saying they'd like to receive a blessing. And if you'd like to receive that and you're comfortable with that, please do the same. If not, it's okay too. We'll just receive this blessing. May you know that the Lord who created everything that you see is your shepherd. He's guiding you. You're sent out of love, God, to love people, to serve the world in Jesus' name. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them. See ya.